Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech Africa series. I'm Rudy Fala, the founder of Voice of Fintech podcast. In this series, you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, investors, incumbents, and ecosystem hub leaders from Africa. And this episode is hosted by Patrick. In this edition of our Africa series, we explore the more contemporary world of blockchain technology and how it's being used to bring inclusion and prosperity for all stakeholders in Africa and globally. Our guest, Umar Seviala, brings his background in shaping the customer experience to where he sits as the ecosystem lead for Uganda at the Cello Foundation. He's here to tell us more. How's it going, Umar? How have you been? Hi, Patrick. All good. Been fine. How have you been? It's all right. It's very chilly in Nairobi, about 12 degrees, and I have my coffee here (laughs) getting warmed up for our discussion. For starters, could you tell us, or tell our audience rather, introduce us to the Cello Project, tell us more about yourself and uh, how you ended up joining this ambitious global initiative? Um, Thanks for having me, Patrick. Um, Yes, as you introduced me, uh, my name is Omar Bukenya Seviala, and I work as the ecosystem lead for Uganda at C-Labs working on a blockchain platform called Celo. I've been in the role for around a year and a half right now because I joined it in around May of 2020. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, taking it from, from the blockchain side, it's, it's been a while. And prior to getting into the Celo space, I was working at Uganda Telecom in the client relationship management section, which is where I built my interest in from the telecommunications side. Actually, Uganda Telecom gave me the foundation that I needed to understand the modern tech industry and build the curiosity that I, that I have for blockchain technology and anything to do with the fourth industrial revolution. So as an ecosystem lead, my role at C-Labs can be summarized in um, three broad aspects. The first one is strategy. In the, and with, with this, I handle anything to do with the regulatory aspects within a target market, like say Uganda. So I have to have my ear on the ground, then also go to market. How do we bring this technology to the market? That's the strategy bit of of my role. Then secondly, ecosystem. Under the ecosystem part, we have aspects to do with partnerships and collaboration, trying to build this mutually beneficial interlinkages within the, the market. And the third part would be community. With this, we have meetups, events, and conferences trying to grow awareness of the Silo platform. And when you wrap these three aspects together, you have what I do as an ecosystem lead. So in a, in a nutshell, that's, that's about me in my role. Then to talk about the Silo platform, Silo is a mobile-first blockchain platform that makes it easy for anybody with a mobile phone to access financial tools and services. Celo as a word is taken out of the Esperanto language, which is an auxiliary language, and it means purpose. So everything that we do within Celo is purposeful, and you'll find that as the conversation progresses, I'll, 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 I'll try to show you how it's all interlinked. 
So the solo community can be looked at broadly as being bound by two core values. And these two core values are unique purpose and connectedness. When, when it comes to unique purpose, we are looking at the fact that each individual is unique in their own right. That's why they're individuals and they have to grow along their own unique path. And when it comes to the second value, it's connectedness and connectedness in the sense that we're primarily social beings and we feel like the whole or say the community as a whole would be more, more wholesome, more healthy if everybody felt these mutually beneficial linkages coming in together. So you have the individual at the core and you have these interlinkages with other individuals which kind of make the collective whole. And it's, it's, it's against this background that you see that we're trying to build something that could work for a, a global audience. So the solar platform is also on a mission to build a financial system that creates the conditions for prosperity for everyone. And everyone means everyone. We're trying to have a global impact, trying to build something that works for the world and trying to make the world a better place. Now, these two values that I, that I mentioned, unique purpose and connectedness, are underpinned by four core community tenants. The very first is building for everyone in that everything that is done within the solo community is for everyone. There's nothing that is trying to exclude anybody from um, getting to where they, they, they need to be in, in their purpose of, or, or in, in, in their path to growth. So it's an inclusive platform. And the second is striving for beauty. Everything that is done, every application that is built, every initiative that comes to fruition is built with the presence of mind that we're trying to build something that is beautiful. And as you, you can um, see from the, the, the various applications that are really live, uh, there is that uh, beautiful artistic touch to everything that comes out of the solo space. Then the third aspect is trying to innovate on money. So we know that, broadly speaking, money is simply a belief system and it's, it's something that should actually work for a community. So trying to have these experiments and innovations, trying to see that money gets better and works for more people. Then the fourth aspect is embodying humility. So much as we're trying to change the world and trying to build something that is going to take us to the next level, we try to do it all being humble and being um, cognizant that we're doing it for the greater good and not for our personal benefit as people within the solo ecosystem. So you find that these are the four core ten, uh, community tenants that, uh, that actually do live within the solo community. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And I know, <clears throat> I know there's more, but just to bring it closer to home, uh, practically speaking, how is the Cello Foundation delivering on its mission to democratize finance in Africa? For example, I know that the Cello platform supporting payments in West Africa already, and there's something new you guys are doing with Dunia Pay. Would you speak more to that just to elaborate on what you've already? So when it comes to the Cello Foundation, we are talking about, it's, it, in essence, it's a nonprofit foundation that is promoting the use of open source cryptographic networks to globally support prosperity, financial inclusion, and also environmental health. And this can be done through um, research, education, and outreach. So the foundation is an overall body that kind of 
has this vested interest to see that the cellular network kind of gets to the next level and is designed in a way that actually works for everybody. So to physically or to actually do this, the, the, the cellular foundation has an alliance for prosperity. And this alliance is made, of, is made up of members or member entities of the cellular foundation. And these entities energize and act upon the foundations. This is actually where the rubber meets the road, that the foundation does act within these various entities. And you mentioned Dunia Pay. Dunia Pay is actually a member of the Cellular Alliance for Prosperity. And they are working on some very interesting um, finance on cello within the West African market, specifically Burkina Faso, Mali, Senegal, and Cote d'Ivoire. So the foundation has really been the backbone in the growth of the cellular ecosystem this far and leveraging the members of the Alliance for Prosperity has been able to do various entities, rather to do various initiatives with various entities. So when it comes to practical examples of, of, of what they have done, you, you'll find that there is a grants program that is run by the Cellular Foundation. And this particular program has supported over 90 projects in, in 50 four countries to date. And it has dispersed a value of around $4.9 million in funding across the last three waves. So we had um, wave one, we had wave two, and we had wave three. Currently going through wave four, which is yet to be announced, but it, it's, it's like the foundation has been opening up the cohorts or, or the calls for proposals to make them broader and have more impact. In, in, in what they're doing. So looking at these uh, last three waves of, of funding, I'm just going to pick on just a few to show you some of the impact that has happened. For the case of, outside of from, from Uganda, U Uganda within the last wave, we had two grantees, two recipients of um, this funding. Then the first one is Kanzu Code, which is a FinTech that is working on financial inclusion and they work with microfinance institutions and village um, circles. So they are building a mobile wallet that can enable these in institutions save in CELO dollars. CELO is the native asset of the CELO platform, but on top of this, there are a host of stable value assets like the CELO dollar, which, pegs, which is pegged one-to-one -to, -one to the United States dollar. So they are trying to bring the cello, the cello dollar to their platform and enable these microfinance institutions provide access to a dollar-pegged stable asset within their wallet. And this is going to be huge for MFIs within Uganda as we do not have any offering like this. It's mainly saving products that are denominated in Ugandan shillings. And as we know, a, a, a I would say recent history, the dollar has relatively held a higher value to the Ugandan shilling over, say, if the, 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 the last five-year period. So that's Kanzu Code. And we have another grantee called Marcom. Marcom is a software company, actually a fintech that is building out an ecosystem of financial services. They are building an exchange, with, which will also have a liquidity rail that essentially provides the solo dollar to third-party applications that can actually be able to leverage their, that liquidity from their platform to run, uh, um, to run their applications 
that, that would actually need the solar dollar. So what, what Mulcom is doing, they're, they're building an exchange that will essentially have um, solar assets listed on there, the solar dollar and solar, the native asset. And this will be in addition to some of the other assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but it will essentially help us with liquidity when it comes to the space of Uganda. Then we have Crypto Savannah. Crypto Savannah is actually one of the first grantees. They, they got their grant from Wave 2 of this initiative, and they are building a KYC solution for SIM card registration on the Celo um, blockchain. So it's uh, KYC and digital identity is something that is a problem uh, all across Africa. And uh, the team at Crypto Savannah are, are trying to tackle this with grace by uh, building the system on the Celo network. So that's that's what I, what I can talk about for the case of Uganda for now. But then you mentioned something to do with Dunia Pay, and Dunia Pay is something that is, is really interesting because Dunia Pay has been able to take the stable asset ecosystem on the solar network to the next level. Dunia Pay has launched a community stable value asset which tracks the West African franc. It's um, the solo West African franc that is native to the Dunia Pay um, digital wallet. So essentially, they are going to help individuals within over within the 14 countries in West Africa that do use the West African franc to hold the digital equivalent of that fiat currency that is pegged one to one to to the to the franc, and they'll be able to earn an annual interest of up to eight percent in wallet. This is over twice as much as they would actually get from conventional traditional banks within their respective nations. So it's um, a very fast for uh, the African space. And we are very excited to see Dunia Pay bring this to fruition and um, grow the family of stable value currencies that are currently on sale. That's very interesting and cutting edge. So would you say the outlook on the adoption of, of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies is more fast growing and explosive. What, what's your broad view on the adoption and uh, application of blockchain technology in Africa generally as, as Umar sitting in Uganda? What would you say is the outlook um, or the trends? Thank you for that, Patrick. And it's a very interesting question because um, taking it from somebody sitting in Kampala here, the broad perspective of blockchain is a, I would say, a, a, a steady growth because there are various initiatives that are um, coming to fruition across the continent. If you look at East Africa, if you look at West, if you look at the North and, and South. But then generally speaking, in relation to what we see on the global scale, it's relatively at a much slower pace than what we see, say, in Europe or North, Af- North America. This is mostly brought down due to the, I would say, the, the, the fewer number of blockchain-based developers, as blockchain developers are not um, that common to come across within the context of, of Africa. We have a very robust ecosystem of developers, but they are mainly working on the Web 2.0 conventional world. So not very many of them are trying to make the leap into the Web 3.0, where blockchain is a native technology. And this is what, what, what explains the disparity in, in growth. Nonetheless, we have a, a vibrant ecosystem across the, the continent. 
that is getting more curious in as far as what blockchain technology can do for them and they trying to make the best out of this this is tied in two various initiatives that say cello is 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 is, is working on in, in as far as growing um the awareness growing the cap- the capabilities of developers to be able to build on blockchain we have run a couple of hackathons most recently we had one with the UNODC for East Africa and with this we're targeting to get developers from within the East African region to build solutions that do tackle corruption so this this is something that was very in, encouraging as it's a step outside of the normal association of blockchain which would be cryptocurrency as we know money is the first application on on on, on blockchain but now we had um this brilliant mind these young developers because it was a youth hackathon they're trying to target youthful devs and we had various teams that came together from across the east african region and even some from west africa because it it wasn't really limited even if the focus was mainly on, on east africa and they were all bringing bringing their minds together to build solutions on because we had two two tracks on this we had the cello track where they were building solutions on cello and also one on 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 ibm's hyperledger it's it's not worthy to to say that the winning solution came on the solo platform and the team came from uganda and this this was a a, a collection of four developers who had simply come together just for the hackathon they didn't have any prior interaction and they were able to coordinate use some of their web web 2.0 knowledge to bring that onto the web 3.0 space because there was some mentorship that was given and we were able to see that there was a fully functional solution it's actually called watchdog actually it's sorry it's called watchguard and it's um supposed to it's 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 a system that is that kind of incentivizes people to whistle blow against any kind of graft or corrupt tendencies and the whistleblowers have their 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 identity protected as nobody gets to know that it was a person a who blew the whistle here and in return they also have the provision to tip them in cryptocurrency so it's 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 then a a a full end to end solution to corruption that we seek to develop on and it's just one of the various uh, applications that we do see coming out of africa when it comes to the blockchain space so looking at it with an overview holistic view is that africa is still in the infancy of adopting this tech but we do see real committed individuals developers actively trying to work out on this so you find these individuals are in more of the traditional hubs in africa say nigeria say kenya and south africa but we do see some of this spillover effects going to countries like uganda ghana and various entities within north africa so yeah thanks for that so, yeah i've studied your white paper and i've seen that cryptocurrencies are a big or a significant pillar of the solo project would you agree that one of the biggest barriers to the adoption of cryptocurrencies in general or blockchain technology in general but cryptocurrencies specifically has been the volatility in uh, the market for cryptocurrencies and uh, this perhaps has affected the adoption of maybe even affected your work at the Cello Foundation 
How would you practically propose on behalf of the organization that this stability can be achieved in the market so that perhaps people will be more interested in crypto? Thank you for that question, Patrick. And it's, it's quite spot on because volatility is the underlying issue that is holding back crypto generally for mass adoption. Well, Celo as a platform is built on the foundation of stability as opposed to volatility. So if I could take a, a deeper dive into uh, what Celo is, initially, Celo is, is a blockchain platform that has a reserve of digitally secure, cryptographically secured assets that back a host of stable value currencies on the same platform. So there is a reserve, or the reserve is actually used to back the outstanding stable digital assets. The stable value digital assets, the very first of which is the Celo dollar, which went live last year, and it holds a soft peg to the United States dollar at a rate of one-to-one and has held its peg um, beautifully over the over, over the course of the year. We haven't seen much volatility there in that it has always been one-to-one. And as, as of this year, we're able to launch the Celo Euro, which is the second reserve backed asset sitting on the cellular network that is pegged one-to-one to the value of the euro. It's also holding its peg exceptionally well. So unlike uh, traditional currencies, or uh, as I said, that, uh, that are not uh, kind of pegged or backed by a, a reserve, the cellular native digital stable value currencies like the cellular dollar and the cellular euro backed and held at a peg of one-to-one to their respective assets. So when we're talking about volatility, if you look at digital assets like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is exceptionally volatile as you can see swings of five to 10% within a single trading day. When it comes to the cellular platform, we do have the stable value assets, cellular dollars and cellular euro, which are backed by this Reserve. Now, in the reserve, you do have the native asset, which is used for network governance, called Celo, and you have Bitcoin, you have some Ethereum in there, and you have some DAI. So it, it's an, it, an over-collateralized reserve that currently stands at a ratio of um, 1 to 7 in regards to the outstanding stable value assets. So meaning for each, for each Celo dollar that is outstanding or in circulation, there are seven assets that are backing it within this reserve. So there is a full peer-reviewed stability analysis paper that uh, was published um, for the seller protocol and liberties, various economic models that have forecasted the old scenarios that could affect this one-to-one peg that span a period of 30 years out. And it's been quite accurate as a stability mechanism. So the practical bit is that there's something that underpins the technology of the cellular network. The stability mechanism that is deliberately deployed, maintain this peg so so that we don't leave it to the forces of the market. Initially, it it had a, a, a very long name. It was called the constant product decentralized one to one mechanism called CP Dotto in short. But as of today, it's, it's more refined. We, we, we call it Mento, which comes from Esperanto, just like Celo, and Mento means mint. 
So like a, a bank uh, that mints coins. That's, uh, the, the, that's what we, we, we are leveraging. So just a practical example here is that you can look at two cycles of economic activity, one expansionary and one contractionary. And uh, an, an expansionary cycle, think of a scenario whereby the value or the demand for the solo dollar as the very first asset, let me use the solo dollar because now we have two. So the demand for the solo dollar is high and the demand has, has expanded, but the supply is relatively low. The price of the solo dollar, so you may find that one solo dollar is no longer equal to one US dollar, it's equal to maybe one dollar and one cent. So in such a scenario, when you have an expansionary cycle, what, what happens is, what needs to happen is we need to have more solo dollars in circulation. So somebody who wants to take um, advantage of this arbitrage opportunity would buy exactly $1 of cello, which is the native asset, and they'll take this $1 worth of cello and exchange it with the mental mechanism that I, that I spoke of. Now, mental can easily, be, can easily be found within one of the wallets that we have. It's called Valora. Valora, Valora is, a, is actually the de facto wallet that you would use to hold cello assets. It's uh, very user-friendly, can hold cello, the native asset, and can easily be downloaded from the Play Store or the App Store. So Valora is the de facto wallet that we, 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 we would use to interact with these cello assets. Like I was saying, under an expansionary cycle, the value of the cello dollar has broken to the upside, and one cello dollar is not exactly again. It's set back to uh, one dollar and one cent, an individual could take, a, could take opportunity to arbitrage this by going to the open market. They buy exactly $1 worth of and they send that to the Valora wallet. They sell that for exactly $1 worth of, for exactly one solo dollar within this, this, and they will get that $1 and sell it to the market and pocket the, the, the difference. So they, they're essentially getting dollars cheaply, selling them at that profit. And this would incentivize um, them to bring new dollars into circulation and the peg would be restored. So on the other side, think of a contractionary kind of economic cycle when the demand for solo dollars uh, drops and there are very many in circulation. Meaning now instead of one solo dollar being equal to um, one US dollar, it's equal to say 98 cents or 99 cents. So in this scenario, you need to take out excess liquidity, like the central banks would say, mopping up excess liquidity. So individuals who would want to take opportunity of this would be able to buy, they would be able to buy $1, one solo dollar, which is cheaper now because it would be 98 cents. And they would sell that for $1 worth of cello within Valora as well. And they can be able to get that value, that sell out and sell it on the open market, and they can pocket the, the, the difference. So essentially, they're buying dollars cheaply and selling them back on the market, uh, and selling back sell on the market for, for the spread there. So essentially, they're taking out excess liquidity until that peg is restored. So this decentralized one-to-one mechanism, which is called Mentor right now, has been um, efficient in holding the peg. And we have not seen any deviation from the soft peg of one to one, and has actually held out perfectly. It's 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 a long explanation, but uh, that's what we are very passionate about.
That's very clever. Thanks for that. So besides or outside of the volatility, what other challenges do you face in the work that you're currently doing on a day-to-day? Perhaps our stakeholders listening to this episode can help you tackle these issues. Would you like to mention a few of them, if any? Yeah, th- thanks, Patrick. And th- this is a, a very interesting aspect of blockchain in general. And you'll find that it's kind of the, the same problems that we have in East Africa, West Africa, South Africa, or the North, all across the continent. To just talk about them in an overview, it would be issues to do with re- regulation. We do need kind of robust regulation that is specifically targeting or specifically drafted to deal with decentralized activities, kind of uh, like what, we, what, what we're doing, blockchains and cryptocurrencies, because the existing laws currently, even if they're talking about fintechs and digital currencies, do not really um, hit the nail on the head when it comes to cryptographically secured assets. So we'd love to see some more regulation that is both user-friendly and more accurate in as far as regulating digital assets goes. That would be very helpful. So if there's, any, if there's anybody there that is a regulator, it would be awesome to work together and see that we can work out any kinks or any issues that would be a barrier to mass adoption. Then the second one would be things to do with infrastructure and, and, and policy, because for the case of decentralized technologies like blockchain, these are internet-based um, services for the most part. And we have had some extensions that have helped us lower barriers to entry using technology such as USSD, which is um, SMSs for feature phones that do not have um, internet to uh, whether access to, to, the, to the internet. So in terms of this pain point, we would love to see more policies that are put in place that kind of lower the barrier to have these te- te- technologies reach the, the grassroots. Because if the price of internet is high, as for, for the case of, of Uganda, whereby you have the average cost of one GB is around a dollar forty to a dollar ninety, and we know that the poverty line is at a dollar ninety, and we have around say forty one to forty two of the population that lives below the poverty line, these individuals are essentially cut out from this ecosystem. So if 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 we do not have policies in place that can enable services like internet to be cheaply provided and given to the citizenry, it's yeah it's an uphill task, and we find that very many individuals get disenfranchised from using these technologies. It would be a very good step in the right direction if we would get infrastructure-based policies that lower the barriers to entry when it comes to USSD uh, codes and services, because that's also um, something that is the paradox, because the, the cost of renting a USSD short code is pretty much prohibitive for the average startup. So you find that these individuals do not um, get the support that they need to, to innovate and uh, bring forward some of their innovations to the market because of some of these barriers there. So if, 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 if we're able to get something that in the way of policy that is conducive for lowering barriers to entry, that would be a very big win for us, generally as an industry. Then there is the issue of education. Education covers around three aspects in as as far as education about blockchain technology in general, 
education to the developer base so that they can be the builders of this uh, infrastructure and also education to deal with scams. Because what we see on the continent of Africa is that scams everywhere in the blockchain space and individuals have been their hard earned money over the, over the years and there is like currently no redress for this. So we need to have aligned partners who can help us in the scope of education initiatives through certain individuals understand what blockchain technology is all about and how the financial services do work. Pretty much like the way it is for mobile money, because right now mobile money has been around for around, say, 10, 13 years. Pretty much the, the same time as the blockchain space, because Bitcoin was also launched in around 2009. So we're looking at the same timeline. But in, in terms of education and getting more awareness around the technology, uh, blockchain technology is lagging behind and there's that gap there. So when it comes to developers also, we need to have more education programs at universities and various blockchain, various fintech hubs, like co-working spaces that can be able to empower current developers to work in the blockchain space because there are very many tools they can leverage to get to the next level of their block of their careers. So in a nutshell, regulation policies that are conducive for lowering barriers to entry and education initiatives that can help us grow out um, the awareness of the technology across the continent. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So I'm aware that the solo community has developed quite a bit and now comprises thousands of developers and backers like Jack Dorsey, Reed Hoffman, You've got partners like Coinbase. Which notable partners have you signed up in Africa so far? And how does one join this movement if they're interested? Thanks for that question, Patrick. Actually, the, the, the question around Silo and Barkers is, is a, a very interesting one because the likes of the names that you mentioned, like Jack Dorsey, Coinbase, and Reid Hoffman, these are early stage believers in the protocol who were able to provide some form of funding to the Solo Foundation and they laid the groundwork. But I would, I would, when the Solo protocol was coming into existence, there was an initial, I would say, an initial auction of the native asset. Like I said, Solo um, has a two asset system. You have Solo, the native asset, which is used for network governance. And it is what individuals do stake when they are participating in network governance and voting on proposals. Then you have a host of stable value currencies that sit on top of the blockchain and are used for various various services as everyday currencies, let's say. So initially, when the cell network was actually going live, there was an auction that was open to anyone in the world to be able to participate and get a host of tokens that you could be able to stake and have your say on the development of the Celo network. This was around the time that I joined, around May 2020, and we were carrying out awareness, trying to call on our individual communities to take part in this. And various, various people took part, were able to provide funds for the auction, and they were able to actually get these, these uh, tokens. So as of today, those, those are also some of our early, I would say, backers, because their names do not actually sound as as, as, ro- as robust as some of the names that you mentioned, but it's just testament to show you that 
the silo platform is for everybody and it's a system that is supposed to be open and inclusive. So you had investors, okay, not investors, you have purchasers, people who come through and purchase this, the, the, the silo asset because back, back then, before it was changed, it was called silo gold. So they're buying silo gold. Then after some time, this name was changed from silo gold to silo just to avoid the confusion with real physical gold. So you would find that that the initiatives were already built with the end user in mind, and we have this ongoing open um, ecosystem that is bringing everybody in. So Solo is open source. Anybody who wants to be a part of the of the community can easily take up this. Then secondly, when it comes to partners, being an ecosystem an ecosystem lead for Uganda. I have a, a view of the African partners that we've been able to work with. And since my time joining here, yeah, we've gotten some traction with various entities. For the case of Uganda, I spoke about Kanzu Code. I spoke about uh, Crypto Savannah. We do have other partners like Spay Taxi, which is a ride transportation company here in Kampala that does airport transfers. And also Big, which is an, an exchange and OTC service. So for the case of Kenya, we have uh, Pezesha, which is a, a very vibrant lending fintech that actually was um, featured on, the, on this very uh, podcast. Hilda is a very amazing founder, and they're also currently working on a pilot that is distributing 100,000 solar dollars within various um, communities in um, Kenya to show the use case of lending and borrowing on the solar platform. So we also have Jaza Energy, which is based out of Tanzania, and uh, they are working on renewable solar solutions. They, they have these solar hubs that, is, that are placed all over Tanzania, and communities can be able to, to go and buy a solar battery pack that is recharged and swapped out the following day at just a couple of cents in Tanzanian shillings. And this is one of the ways that we are trying to um, combat the climate crisis. And we're very excited to have them on board as alliance partners. There was the United Africa Blockchain Association based out of South Africa, which is on a mission to build the capacity of blockchain on the continent by providing free education lessons. And they're doing something interesting, which I'll, I'll hopefully speak about later on. We also have, for the case of West Africa, I really spoke about Dunia Pay, which is an all-inclusive digital um, banking solution application that you can hold in the palm of your hand and currently issues the solo West African funk. We also have Bitmama, based out of Nigeria, and uh, they also do provide a digital solution a digital wallet solution that provides access to a various host of cryptocurrencies, such as Celo and the Celo dollar. And this is to mention but a few. So as you can see, it's a, a continent-wide approach that anybody who is mission-aligned and believes that we can actually do build a financial system that creates the conditions for prosperity for everyone is encouraged to reach out and we can be able to work with them to see where they will best fit and add value. That's very cool. So for the developers specifically, what are some of the tools available for them to build DeFi or decentralized apps on uh, 
the solo platform. Thank you for that, Patrick. When it comes to developers, we look at developers as the fundamental building blocks of the ecosystem. And within the solo platform, we do have a robust library of documentations that are that are all stored under the URL of docs.celo.org. That's docs, like Google docs.celo.org. Under this particular library of documentations, we do have a, and it would be essentially look, looked at as an A to Z guide of how you can start from um, zero to 100 on the Celo platform within the shortest time possible, depending on your knowledge background. So there is something in there for the for, for, for the beginners and also something there for the developers. Now, essentially for the developers, there's a specific software development kit that is tied to a DAP kit. And DAP be, meaning a decentralized application, like you mentioned earlier. And this, initial, this essentially can um, enable any developer who has any who, who has the, the soft skills of this of, of development or who has the skills that can actually build something to interact with the Celo platform and build React Native applications that can be deployed on the live network. So the, so the DAP kit has been deployed and is live right now. It's a very use, useful resource that any developer out there wants to tinker with the workings of the Celo platform can be able to play with. This is all housed under the, the docs.celo.org. And you can actually understand, interact with it, find there's also a contract kit in there that can enable you deploy smart contracts on the Celo platform without having to go through a third party and everything is, is well documented in there. Then also, in as far as uh, developers go, Celo is built as an Ethereum virtual machine compatible uh, production network. So if you are currently developing on Ethereum, you can be able to develop on Celo as well. And you can be able to you, you can be able to bring your knowledge from the Ethereum ecosystem onto onto the, the Celo ecosystem. This was further enhanced earlier this year when the network had a hard fork that we had codenamed Donut. Uh, you'll find that much of the technical milestones of Celo are, are named after, after food. We have a test network that is called Alpha Horus, and Alpha Horus is a, a cookie out of um, Argentina, which was inspired by one of the initial backers of the platform. Then we have a second test network called Baklava, and Baklava is a pastry out of the Mediterranean. And yeah, you, 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 you will actually find that there's a lot of food within this particular ecosystem. So the donut hard fork was able to, essentially any hard fork is an upgrade to the network that is backwards incompatible. So it brings new functionality to the network that was not there before. So with this hard fork, we're able to add functionality that brings more of Ethereum's tooling, Ethereum being one of the biggest blockchains to the solo platform. So anybody who can build something on Ethereum would feel very at home building on Celo as the tooling is the same. Yeah, and to, 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 kind, of to kind of tie this all into a, a neat bow and tie, we currently have the Celo Batch 4, which is, I could say it's a, an eight-week incubator program that is specifically designed for developers and entrepreneurs in the tech space. Applications are currently open, and this is the, this is the fourth batch of this program. The applications are open from now up to until August 24th. 
And it's also backed by organizations such as Anderson Horowitz, Polychain Capital, Electric Capital, and of course, Celo. So the accelerator program will run from September 23rd to November 19th. And this is something that is, has actually helped us build traction in as far as developers go and, and entrepreneurs go, because we have seen various teams come through this program and they've actually been successful deploying solutions on Celo. An example is Paychant in Nigeria, who are the winners from last round, and they do have a digital payment processing service that can be able to process digital payments. They, they are winners from this, from this um, Celo batch, rather Celo Camp batch number three. Now batch number four starts. And just to maybe talk about the benefits of this particular initiative, you can be in position to be fast-tracked to get investment opportunities, which have raised around $15 million since 2020 for winners. There are prizes that are totaling up to $30,000 per batch. Then you can also connect with high-tier influencers from various organizations like Andreessen Horowitz, T-Systems, Electric Capital, Polychain Capital, Galaxy Digital. Then it's also virtual, so you can actually apply from everywhere, you apply from anywhere in the world. And we do encourage anybody who would feel like getting involved in this to head over to Celo, it's celocamp.com. That is celocamp.com. And applications active right now up to the 24th. That sounds very exciting. So now the debate in finance is shifting uh, from just merely inclusion. And, and we're talking now about the value of finance. What's the point of me joining the global financial ecosystem? What's the, where's the value in that? And I wanted to ask you a more open-ended question, like what other opportunities uh, exist for fintechs like, like ours to enhance the long-term social development or to bring more value to our African communities in general, in your opinion? Do you see any other gaps that we can fill uh, that other fintech players or other partners of the Celo network can take advantage of? Thank you, Patrick, for that question. When it comes to changing trends in finance, yes, that is something that is happening right now. And we can still see gaps within the, the, the broader ecosystems of finance. Globe. To put it plainly, financial inclusion is not, the, is not an, an, an end in itself, but rather kind of a, a big piece in this uh, puzzle. You also need to think about issues to do with financial health. Financial health, uh, specifically looking at what are the quality of the services that are being provided and the general understanding of these individuals being financially included. So you can't just give somebody the um, tools and you do not show them how they could be able to um, leverage these tools to better themselves. So it's one piece of a, of a bigger puzzle. So financial health is, is also um, very key in this. So when it comes to this, seeing opportunities in this, I, I would like to talk about a second initiative that we currently have running with the United Africa Blockchain Association, which is an entity that is working on having blockchain adoption widespread within the continent by providing free education. They have recently launched a collaboration with the Celo, Founder, uh, Celo Community Fund. The Celo Community Fund is a fund that was established uh, by the Celo Protocol 
that gets a portion of the network rewards every day. The current portion is around 25%, and the fund is, 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 is deployed to fund causes that do affect the solar ecosystem. So one deployment of this fund is what I'm talking about right now. The UABA, United Africa Blockchain Association, is having a workshop that is dubbed blockchain as a business. It's trying to, the, the aim of the workshop is to educate stakeholders and curious individuals how they can be able to leverage blockchain as a business. What opportunities do lie within there just outside of having financial inclusion. So you can be able to understand how uh, you can deploy a smart contract, how you can interact with decentralized exchanges such as UberSwap, which is uh, essentially not a physical exchange, but simply lives on the blockchain, how, how, you, can under, how you can play in the financial money markets with Mola Market, which provides decentralized finance on the solo platform. And it's a very robust system. So this particular intake is starting from the 18th of August. Um, it, it will be, there'll be two sessions, 18th August to 19th August and 25th August to 26th August. And individuals who would like to understand how they can deploy blockchain as a business are highly encouraged to sign up at uh, waba, that is uaba.io and you can be able to get information on how you can um, structure and attend these this discussions. Then talking about sustain, sustainability, again, this is an open-ended board question because we, we, we can look at sustainability as something that is concerned about the survival of an, of an entity. And in this case, we cannot talk about sustainability without talking about the climate crisis. As all fintechs, as all entities, all startups need to be aware that we have one planet and the planet is heating up along with having drastic changes in climate. So there exists a huge gap in as far as understanding the climate crisis is concerned and building tools and mechanisms to ensure that we can be able to avert this for our generation and future generations. For the case of this platform, Celo is actually a carbon net carbon negative blockchain. In, and this means that this uh, Celo offsets its carbon um, emissions over and above what it actually does, meaning we actually offset more than we emit. So we're carbon negative. We're not only carbon neutral, we're carbon negative. And this would actually also tie into the, the, the fact that running services on Celo is actually good for the environment. So I would, I would like to encourage anybody listening to this podcast today to think about the climate that we have, because much as we want to innovate on money, we want to build the, the next killer financial service, the next killer financial app, we have one planet and we cannot do that as easily on Mars because then <laughs> we would simply have to build the rails that are starting from, 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 from the ground up. So if we can be able to work with solutions that are sustainable, and um, do take um, the environment into consideration, I do believe that we can avert or avert the, this crisis over time and be able to see a healthier, more sustainable planet that can enable all of us thrive. That's very exciting. Thanks for that. Well, as we summarize our very 
exciting conversation. Would you like to just bring it all home in in a few in a few seconds just just in summary. Any parting shots, any any wise words to our audience out there? Thank thank you Patrick. Yeah, the Celo uh, ecosystem is a, a very broad fast growing ecosystem as it it's it's built for everybody. So we have a mission to build a financial system that creates the conditions of prosperity for everyone and with this mission we we need everyone's buy in so without the community's buy in we cannot stand any chance of success so we need people people who are mission aligned and if you are an individual who would like to get involved it's an open system it's a very open network we have alliance partners we have we have an ambassador program we have hackathons that do happen every now and then that are geared towards developers and various initiatives with members from the Celo Alliance for Prosperity. We are very interested in growing our community and we actively seeking mission aligned organizations and individuals who can contribute their unique talents to the growth of Celo. So if you want to reach out, you can start from the Celo website which is celo.org. That is Celo, that is C-E-L-O dot O-R-G dot org. And on there, you'll find a host of resources from white papers to uh, news and ad events, announcements, mechanisms, funding rounds, because we do have around three ecosystem funds that can be able to provide funding for people who or entities that are trying to build something that would be sustainable for the Celo ecosystem. And we would be very interested in um, having your say. Then also, if you wanted to experience the power of the cellular network firsthand, because it's a mobile-first um, platform, I encourage you to consider downloading the Valora app. And this can be gotten from the, from the Google Play Store or the App Store. It's, it's called Valora. That is V-A-L-O-R-A. And you'll find that you can be able to send and receive um, funds of value to any from and to any um, phone number anywhere on the planet as easy as sending a text. Otherwise, we do encourage you to reach out and we look forward to building this system together. There you have it. The Salo Project, whose impact is broad and far-reaching, and uh, they're preaching the gospel of community, openness, inclusion, and I'd encourage our audience to reach out uh, using the platforms they've mentioned. Umar, how can they reach you personally? I'm on social media. Uh, I'm active on uh, Twitter. Uh, my handle is Umar underscore Sebiala. That is U-M-A-R underscore S-E-B-Y-A-L-A. That's Twitter. And you can shoot me an email at umar.seba at clabs.co. Yeah, we're we're so happy. We're so happy that you joined the call and that you've joined our our show. And we look forward to following your project and hearing from you again, hopefully, in the near future. So thanks to our audience for listening to uh, this uh, really electric episode of the Voice of FinTech Africa series. And we're looking forward to our next one. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Voice of FinTech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceofintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, 
please email us at info at voiceofintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.